Hey there, Shopping Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design and development. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris. I'm doing great. In fact, uh, I don't know if you've, if you've been read anything that I've written in the last year. Some of my like stuff that's been bouncing around in my head so much. And that I've done talks and essays about is like is like some what's going on in the world of front end development from uh, just from my perspective and how wide that world has gotten and how much more responsibility there is and uh, how I don't know how weird it is but also cool it is and confusing it is and all that and, uh, and there's there's some more we can talk about too because a lot of times I focus on just like the front end dev code part of it too but of course it you know, it has to do with backend development too. And then I often kind of don't talk about the design aspects of it, which is I'm probably leaving out a little bit too much there. We have a, 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 a guest that I think can help bridge some of that gap and talk about some of that as well as uh, 10 other fascinating things. I'm so excited to have her on. It's Natalia Shelburne. Hey, Natalia. Hi, excited to hey. be here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you have, and so sorry to maybe I didn't mean to blindside you with that intro, but you, but you have this, you know, you have a a book, you know, out that's kind of on this subject with some with some co-authors, right? Maybe we can start with the book. Do you want to do the book thing? Yeah, uh, if you haven't had too much spare time in 2020 to read, uh, you may be unaware that there's a new book called Design Engineering, and it's published by Envision, and it's all about. I would say not the gap, but the intersection of the design and engineering, because as we all know, um, we're constantly working together and trying to figure it out and maybe even yes. stepping on each other's toes. Yes. So, oh, oh, there's just so much to go here. Well, just the title even though, Design Engineering, what's that? Do you, does that term come up at work? Or is that... uh, so I have to say the credit for the title goes to Aaron Walter. Um, he is an amazing writer. He's if you may probably have heard of his stuff like designing for emotion and just as a legend in the field. Um, and I think when we started this project, he, he and I had this conversation at design exchange in Sydney. of just like, we got to name this thing, this, this work that's happening right mm. there between design and engineering and the hybrid and everything. Like we got to do better. And I absolutely agree. We got to do better than unicorn <laughs> because mm. you know, the fact that everyone knows what I mean when I say that, just further supports the fact that there is work being done and we need a name for it. So I I know what you mean, I think, or I have my own guess at what 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 a unicorn means. That gets thrown a lot around a lot. So so what do you mean by it and and why is it a problem? So I don't think um I actually love when somebody calls me a mythical creature who can just sprinkle magic on their team and just is like, you're just gonna make stuff happen and it's gonna be good. Just come on in. This bottleneck weird process breaking stuff. We'll just put you in and it'll disappear magically. Like that sounds really, really cool until it's time. Should charge for accordingly. Precisely. How do you promote a unicorn? How do you like train a new unicorn? Like you we've just decided we you need more unicorn skills. I want to be a level two senior unicorn. Yeah. Um, I'm <laughs> um, applying. I'm not against the term. I think it's really cool and cute. And I love, I like love identifying as a unicorn in my spare time, but not at work. That work, I want a real title with a career progression and recognition of the value that I bring to the team. Because if you don't really recognize what this work is, if you don't name it, if you don't look at it and examine what are the skills involved, you can't really can't throw those. It. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you just end up kind of being like, well, 
I guess that's just some innate magical thing. And then when this person left, it disappeared and we don't know what to do. I guess we could just try sitting new people next to each other again and hope it works again. And obviously mm. it doesn't work. Um, even if it did on a small scale, it, it just won't work if you if you just try to get lucky over and over and again. So what are we talking about? The, the work We're talking about somebody who's, say, a visual designer who's got a great vision or whatever with their team of what some digital product looks like, but they don't have the complete skill set to pull off their vision, right? Then there's developers get involved who can look at that design and think about it and talk about it and figure out how it's going to be translated into code and stuff. And those people need to work together, right? So somebody needs to, like, I don't know, wrangle them or you just you just uh identified hot take number one today <laughs> um, okay <laughs> unicorns aren't limited to design and engineering okay. uh i think that's just like the ego and hubris of the people involved here that we've just even claimed it um there are unicorn people who are like between product and engineering there are unicorns mm. all over your team who are able to bridge between disciplines and the many people working together with different skill sets right like we have these people doing this bridging work all over the place. I think a kind of like a consequence of a lack of respect for design or um, kind of a, a pigeonholing engineers into this, like, you just execute and, you know, logic. These artificial mm -hmm. binaries we've kind of adopted in the industry that we can't quite shake off these, these like early stereotypes um, that have created this idea of like, well, there's just this you know, chasm between these two disciplines for whatever reason. It's like, yes, design and engineering come from things from a different mental model of how stuff should work. And there is a, a translation that should happen between those two, but it shouldn't take a mythical creature to be able to do it. There are <laughs> skills you like, it's a solvable problem. It's just, we haven't yet matured to solve it at scale. So is so a unicorn might be someone who just has skills is a, 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 a bridge is a unicorn a bridge? I, I mean, I to mix metaphors. Really, I I would just say like let's raise our expectations and not call someone a mythical creature when they can do two things. Like be like you can do like let's let's reserve that for the person who can come in and knock it out of the park on lots of different things because um, names matter and when you call someone a mythical creature who can collaborate well, that kind of sets a weird. Like, oh, well, you don't have to actually be able to collaborate. Well, that's reserved for mythical creatures. So it's it's kind of like yeah. a, this idea, like words matter and they set a precedent and the expectations you have of people will shape reality. That's that's an interesting like cultural point. Just it's not, uh, I, I you know, calling somebody a unicorn, they are, it's sort of like adding this burden, this expectation on them that they can solve all weird discrepancies between two different disciplines or whatever but and it's hand wavy it's like yeah you can just do that yeah it, the magic does that that person does that and they'll they'll figure it out until they leave the company mm -hmm. um in a blaze of glory uh <laughs> does the there's also like I, I just read this book called range um by i think david epstein is the name of the author but it, it's it's kind of a celebration of the generalist um do you think that is kind of also maybe in the the wheelhouse here somebody who has multiple disciplines or has been exposed to different i guess duties in a company or an organization so i guess to give you kind of background of why i'm talking about this so passionately is so my master's degree is in talent development and creativity and essentially what that is is i spent my graduate studies learning about 
How do people acquire mastery in any discipline, especially in the realm of creative? So divergent thinking, um, and it's a big mix of psychology and education. And so for me, when I see these things happening in tech, it just sets off this light bulb of like, oh, I know this, I know this. Um, and so when you're saying the generalist, right, um, there's this myth both in education and in, um, you know, it follows us all the way into the workforce that you can be good at math or art, but not both. And all the research and science says, actually, if you're pretty good at one, you're probably going to be pretty good at the other. Just do you put your time into those things or not? Um, mm. There is no, I guess, that binary between like, look, you, you, you just either get to be logical or creative. They're like, nope, really creative people can be very logical at the same time. Those are not at odds, but the myth persists. And so um, what is the idea of a generalist? To me, it just seems like someone who has deliberately practiced their skills across a spectrum and has not siloed themselves into one. And it's not a judgment call to say specialist versus generalist. You know, it's follow your own innate, like, who do you want to be? What do you want to learn? What do you want to pursue? Um, what I try to speak out against are the arbitrary barriers that we've inherited or created ourselves that we don't examine because if left unexamined an arbitrary barrier can absolutely derail your entire career it can squash a curiosity it can um have you specialize in something you might not even like just because you think Oof. that's where you're supposed to be and i feel like in a field of people that are so creative and imaginative and so good at building world changing stuff that seems like a silly thing to accept without like really looking into it no, that's a great, I, cause I, I feel very much the same. It, like I am a developer. I feel like I self-identify as a developer, but like by no means am I just this committed <laughs> neck beard <laughs> just to, I want to code all the time. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm more interested in the exploration and building things and maybe I mm -hmm. have to do some design and maybe I have to do some development, you know, or even business crud, you know, like all that stuff mixes together. It's, a slurry of stuff that makes things. So, well, how do we best talk about it then? How do you, do you have a, does it, is it, is there a title that would make more sense for you, Dave? Or? Oh, you know, I'm curious in this design engineering idea. Cause I think Brad Frost is somebody I think of um, design system, Brad Frost. He, his job title is a designer, but I guarantee you right this very minute while we're recording this podcast, he's writing react components, mm -hmm. you know, but he considers himself a designer because he found <laughs> in his world of ad, whatever it's uh, like working in ad agencies. He just was like, if I call myself a designer, people start listening to me because they think I have the ideas or whatever. So that's an interesting. Isn't he freelance too, though? Doesn't that mean that he has to write really like careful emails to those clients to make sure that he's presenting his work in the best possible? That's a different skill set too, isn't it? Because he probably doesn't have a project manager since he's such a small, he's a team of one or it's him and his brother or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What do you call it? I, I mean, I don't know if we're, let's just agree to never say unicorn again. Or I mean, what, in your spare time, just not like in your hiring practices. That's in all your I'm hiring practice. Yeah. 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 I also want to eliminate design helper from the <laughs> lexicon. Uh, that is, that's a no for me. No, my <laughs> week, I, I spent one day all in Figma almost all day. Cause I, cause I wanted to scope out, like I was wireframing, but we have such a nice little design system in Figma. Shout out Claire. Good job. Where like, you can just drag stuff in. So it was like, 
it's almost easier to use our real components than it is to make a box. Anyway, but I, I was like in Figma. I was like defining gradients. I was having fun in there, scoping stuff out. I felt like a designer that day, but I had a big meeting the next day. So I spent it all on Notion, like getting ready, getting like meeting notes together because I was like responsible for sharing some information. So that was going on. I did one whole day coding because we like, ooh, I don't know, we changed up our prettier config and we needed like a new Git user in order to like commit the code that was on Git but not have it look like Chris Coyer changed 752,000 files. And that felt pretty like every stuff. So I need a new title too. Everything doer, level four. I would just say it's really interesting. Again, so I'm a career switcher into tech. I come from the nonprofit world. I taught painting, art, design. And, you know, these things, these conversations don't even really happen in this way, like, how, what do we call ourselves? Am I, you know, like, am I a painting teacher or a design teacher? Like, uh, like, you teach art, whatever. Like, don't worry about it. That's like, why are we talking about this? This is just such a waste of time. Like, you're going to be given a million things you don't even know how to do. Figure it out because it's a nonprofit and it's all your job. Um, but like this idea of of siloing yourself, I actually, to an outside, I guess I, I'm not that outside anymore, but, you know, I still identify as a career switcher in a tech. Mm-hmm. Um the we are much more multidisciplinary than our tech discipline allows us to be. And I feel like the more our companies scale or the more we kind of, the longer you go into a career, you can't really switch between career ladders. Like go switch from being an engineer to a designer. Good luck. Like, no, you have to like commit and go for it. It's um, like, you're just going to become a sharper, sharper point over time uh, rather than, you know, you have to, I feel like you have to fight to become more and more multidisciplinary. Um, and, and that's, that's strange because that's again at odds with how humans are wired up. We're meant to be curious. We're meant to try to waste our time on side projects and silly pursuits to just exercise our creativity. Um, so I feel like, again, it's a cultural kind of reflection of the culture that we all feel this tightening around us with, but I'm actually pot like, I can be a developer and a designer depending on the day. It still feels a little odd. And yeah. (laughs) This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by WooSesh. That's W-O-O-S-E-S-H dot com. It's a conference all about WooCommerce, which is, of course, the big, excellent e-commerce plugin for your WordPress sites. So it powers tons of e-commerce on the web. You know who uses it? I use it. I use it on CSS Tricks to power our, our MVP memberships, and we sell our posters through it. And I've been just having a wonderful time learning again about the world of e-commerce and selling things online, and it's been going great for us. Um, so I'm so interested in this conference because it's, you know, it's it's all about that. So there's a state of the woo, which is the WooCommerce team telling us what's going on with WooCommerce. What can we expect? You know, what's happening? Because it's such an actively developed piece of software. That's so cool. But a lot of these sessions, and again, this is a free conference coming up October 13th and 14th. I'm recording this for the Shop Talk show that drops October 12th. So this is like tomorrow, if you're listening to this right as Shop Talk show drops. Get in on this. It are sessions for improving your store. There's a section here on smooth checkout tips and understanding sales tax challenges, which has been changing lately, and about optimizing your WooCommerce sites and, you know, Ajax 
indexing your WooCommerce website, all these things that you can do to make your site better, which, you know, is so directly tied to how much money you make. You know, WooCommerce is like a way to monetize websites and sell things, virtual things, real world things, scheduling things. You know, it's just super powerful e-commerce software. I love it. And it's so cool. You know, conferences that are focused so tightly around one technology are often my favorite conferences because there's just everybody's there for the same reason. Anybody anybody that you talk to um, understands where you're coming from and what kind of technology you're using. And that's so great. Again, that's woosesh.com and it's totally free. So you should go. Does, does corporate culture set this up in some way? Because, um, you know, I think of like a product manager, somebody who's like, oh, I need a developer to make the developy thing, you know, or fix a bug or something. And so they, they kind of have an expectation of what they want. Um, but even, you know, somehow some, sometimes companies are organized entirely based on these roles. There's an engineering department, there's a whatever product design arm and those have two different funding mechanisms and then two, you know, different management trees and all that. Um, and even the, like one is CapEx and one is OpEx spending, you know, like does, does the corporate culture kind of, is it only geared to produce these specialists and, and, and it's not welcoming to generalists? You're you're just like hot take number two. <laughs> okay, I'm um, going through the hot takes. <laughs> we as individuals live in an eco, like we exist in an ecosystem, right? And I feel like for developers, designers, all of the, we're like, I can just like do anything. I'm an individual and I can do anything. Like I have this magical machine, this computer in front of me and I can just, you know, you hear the message, like you can disrupt the world, you can change the world as an individual. Don't forget you're part of an ecosystem and, you know, you exist in a system that has incentives, it has rewards for certain behaviors, and it has structures that you exist in. And I will scream this from the rooftops, an individual cannot overcome a structural or organizational problem. You will burn yourself out trying to do that. And recognizing, you know, what where you are is just as important as recognizing who you are and what you can do. And so to give you an example of that, it's... Um, one of the favorite questions I like to ask when people talk about like, well, collaboration, you know, just sitting at them next to each other. It's like, great. You have a designer and an engineer sitting next to each other, right? They're like right here. Their monitors are touching. Like they're just right next <laughs> to each other. Um, and they disagree. How far do they have to escalate it up the chain before there's an intersection and someone can resolve it? Or In my experience, God himself has to intervene. <laughs> yeah. Or... Is it the loudest, meanest, steamrolliest oh, person that gets yeah, the, yeah. their way? And then you're like, you Let's have just reinforced one. the behavior. You have just mm. reinforced how it's going to work. Okay. The sneakiest, the, the person who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back channeliest, secret Ooh, meetings. I mean, I don't know. However, Indeed. it works. It's, it's again, like, my, to me, like, my background's in psychology, too. It's just like, you know. People are really predictable. Like the saddest thing you can do is pick up like psychology one on one oh one and realize like you're just gonna be like, oh my God, that's me, that's my coworkers, that's everybody. Oh my God. And this is the first book in like a whole series. Um, mm -hmm. but essentially it it's it's true though. Like it's realizing that 
you, you have to look at your organization, the structure, like society as a whole, and and realize that um, it's an ecosystem, and you're not like as much as you think you can do everything alone. It's just not how it works. Isn't it outside an organization too? I had a, a, a t- for the record, titles for me. Just because, whatever, I'm not trying to do another hot take, but they haven't mattered a ton in my careers. I've been to tiny little companies, and I feel like I can sell myself and what I do okay. And I've never really had a title that meant anything that important to me. But I had a roommate who was exactly the opposite. He worked at an ad agency. It was a big ad agency. There's lots of people at it, you know, hundreds, thousands. And he was a he would bounce around jobs sometimes. And when he would get a title change to a better title, because it was accompanied by a raise or a promotion or whatever, that was really meaningful and not re- only really meaningful at that job. Cause Oh, cool. High five, more money up the, up the ladder. It mattered when he would move jobs too, because it meant he could move from that title to that same title somewhere else or, or similar. And that other company understood what that title meant. There was like meaning across companies. I, I have to tell an anecdote of why I'm like, titles are important and flat hierarchies don't work for me. Um, I really, really hate how many times I would have a cool, techie conversation with someone. And there'd be this moment where you could see a shift in their eyes and be like, whoa, you're really smart. And they'd say that out loud, like catching themselves off guard almost. Mm. Not even realizing, like, that's not a compliment. And that means, like, right before this moment, you had some not-so-good assumption about me. And it's like, I could tell the intent was good. I could tell, like, something Oof. was crunching, some cogs were moving in the brain. But it's just like, man, a title just cuts down the time between, like, we can just get to work. I can just, like, start. Where I don't have to be like, let me go through my entire history. Here's my YouTube. Here's my, like, all the talks. of Like, we can just get to work so like again part of why i'm like against unicorn too it's like it's real cute but like are you going to be like yes we have brought in an expert unicorn to help us with our prop you'll be like i don't know um it cuts down the time to just getting to work and i super appreciate that personally speaking to getting to work you're at the times the new york times four years two elections it's been a it's been a while huh so so some of your perspective is 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 from that, right? You can't help it. That's the world you live in. How is that going? Um, it's, I mean, I cannot believe it's been four years. It feels like it was just yesterday that a young me was like, it's October. We're about to get a woman president. (laughs) 2016 is going to be, um, right. Uh, but no, it's been, it's been a really interesting time because it has not been four years at the same team or at the same company. We've grown a lot. We've changed a lot. I have been on teams where we're prototyping new ideas. I've been on the core product. Um, I feel like I've gotten to work with so many different people and so many parts of the times. Um, so, I mean, like, it's, it's been really, really cool. Uh, but I can sum it up one way. Um, when we were still going into the office, it would be like, we're sitting in a cool conference room talking about our Jira tickets. And then right outside, because I was working in the newsroom, would be like a giant TV with all the headlines running. And I'd just be like, I, I, I can't, I can't pay attention. Um, it's, did you all see what happened? Oh my God. Uh, so it's, it's been a definitely an interesting ride where you really cannot unsubscribe from anything. Do you think this design engineering role like helps with the speed of news? Um, because I imagine, right, like it, 
somebody who's capable in multiple disciplines or knowledgeable, like can eliminate a lot of back and forth or throwing over the fence. Or I think in your book, you call it kind of a handshake model, not a handoff model. Um, like, do you think that, cause I feel like a lot of people I know who work in news orgs tend to be kind of multidisciplinary and they, you know, they know how to make a chart and they know how to like, whatever, give it the right data and make, make it the right chart that tells the right story or something like that. Do you think it, this sort of hybrid role or, or unicorn role is necessary for, or, or helps, I guess, aid news organizations? So that's a that's a big question, but um, the handshake process actually too was at a Quinn Lace chapter, which was just really fantastic. But um, I just got to give credit because he's awesome. Uh, but you know, so my title is software engineer, um, and it's very like standard. So I'm not a design engineer, but in terms of like my reputation and the the teams that I've worked in, it's very much like we need a front front end engineer um even though on paper there is no distinction yet and so um i mean i would love to say that i have the title that i wrote the book about but it's more of like looking to the future look at the work that i'm doing um and hey, you know stake the claim yeah. that i remember when <laughs> i remember when uh uh content strategy came out and it was like what is this? Mm-hmm. We call it, we call it words or whatever. <laughs> like, and, uh, and I just was like, I don't see why this is a thing, but now, you know, fast forward five, 10 years or whatever. I'm like, we need to hire a content person <laughs> to like figure these things out because there's a mess and it needs to cleaned up by somebody who does content really well. And so, uh, so you said front, front end person. So you, you see design engineering kind of fitting more on the front of the front end. Is that, um, you know, I, I would say that's also a complicated answer. It's really whatever team you're a part of, it feels like everybody has their own definition. So I definitely by no means want to say that my own anecdotal experience should transfer to everything. But, um, in terms of the work that I do is I work very closely with designers and product people. And so for example, um, the newsletters that the New York times sends out, I was tech lead on that. Um, actually is a team of all women, which I'm really super wow. excited about. It just like happened. It was an, a beautiful, like, wow, did it just happen? It did. Um, so it was a team of all women and we built a design system for all of the newsletters. And we took down the creation of a new newsletter from like, man, it took like a month to spool one up to get everything, all the legacy stuff together (gasps) to two minutes um, where you just click on it, which was like very timely for the coronavirus newsletter, which like you can't just take a month to spool up critical information for people. So that I'm really proud of. Um, But like the work that I do is working with design and engineering. And it's basically exactly what what I say in, in, in the book is like my background in design um, and my understanding of the medium of like coding and software, uh, seeing the decisions a designer makes and being able to translate them into code uh, more effectively without losing those design decisions or just not seeing them or not understanding them exactly in the right way, being literally able to translate them into the medium has really served me well. And it has been like for my projects and products and the teams that I've been on, it's been really awesome, not only for kind of like the good vibes and everybody feeling good, but also for actually like getting stuff to market faster. Wow. I I feel like I need to hear more about this newsletter design system creation process thing. 
Is it, is it, did it start at, I mean, how are they authored? Is there, did you make a fancy CMS for them? Or? Well, so, I mean, man, like, it, there's just so much technology, really exciting technology at the New York Times. We're hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, <laughs> there's, you know, one of the things that uh, we try to do is make sure that the workflow of editorial layer and internal client and what they want, like, we are there to serve their journalistic mission however it's best. And so we have to work with that. So it's um, the the part that we were really working on on our team is like, uh, okay, how do you like make a bunch of React components that then compile into a cool email depending on mix and matching components? So like a, an, it, like anybody writing a new newsletter can just say like, I want um, a heading, some content like this, 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 and this, and I want to Lego block it together and I want to s- just schedule a send. Um, so for us, it was really just getting out of the way, um, adopting all of the old legacy, like template based, like old, uh, you know, oh, we'll just do this one quick one. It's one off. Don't worry about it. And then it's like 10 years later, it's still in use. Like we took everything, tidied it all up uh, and put a little bow on it so that 80% of our newsletters were being sent out through this cool generator. And then we can like really the last 20 we could just be like, let's just put all our love and care into making these the best ones because these are the flagship ones we really care about. So it's cool. So yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks for that. So it kind of so you know, design systems, a big part of that. Kind of no wonder that you're I don't know. Let's talk design systems. You live in that world a bit and we're a big part of the this recent clarity conference. Yeah. Genus thing. Uh right? That one? Yep. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> Uh, uh, fantastic. So, so it seems like that's been been growing and growing and growing, and the world is more and more interested in design systems. It's may, perhaps it's it's comparable to the growth of of con- content strategy, like Dave mentioned. Like it, it was a little abstract five years ago, and now it's like we need design systems people. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it. Like you can call it design systems. What I found for if anybody's wondering about like how do I get adoption, it's like just call it modern front end practices. <laughs> like Ooh. people just like this is just what everyone else is doing now, uh, and it's working well. There's a pattern of kind of workflows, governance, and kind of component libraries, all that stuff. Like there's a pattern emerging of what this is, and companies that embrace it and invest in it tend to be doing better than companies that are like, that's a nice to have in the future. Like that's future talk. So like if anybody's really trying to get that adoption, just call, call it that. Um, because it, it, it almost feels like nobody had to argue for like version control. Like, let me get some adoption. And really it's like, no, it's just a good thing. It works. Let's do that. Mm. So, so you, we're still, yeah, you have to be a little tricky about it still perhaps yeah i don't know uh, maybe that's not a, the correct characterization but I, I remember listening to a dan mall talk recently where he he s- said that had the same sentiment like don't pitch it as hi company can we work on your design system you kind of like let the design system come along for the ride with some other initiative you know like you mm-hmm. want this project done well as a part of that we're going to build it like a design system yeah kind of a ship it that that's exactly it like it's it's not like you're sneaking it in it's more like you're just doing it the modern way and then be like yeah i'd like that i'd like the modern way of working on it i was like yeah (laughs) great it's a design system surprise you own like with responsive design is kind of an assumption these days like you you want a website design we're not going to sit down and talk about whether we're going to do it responsively or not you just are yeah it's like you you've just got it is there like a uh like a shift though that has to happen from 
you know, we snuck it in. We snuck the design system into the newsletter. Good job us. Like, but now 200 newsletters are, are using the, the design system. And now you need like a governance layer or a manager, you know, like a, almost this whole from a service to a product or what was it like a product to a service or whatever. So does that shift has to happen, huh? Like at some point, is that hard for you or well, companies you've, I would say it didn't just happen. And I definitely didn't sneak in. It was a team of amazing people all working together towards the common goal of like, this is how it's going to work. Um, this is going to, how it's going to work on the engineering side. This is how it's going to be designed on the design side. Very consistent. Like we agreed on the constraints. Um, and editorial was very much like lockstep, like, okay, that's how we build a newsletter. It was very much a coordinated effort and that's why it worked. If you don't, have somebody gatekeeping or saying like, I really like the status quo. It's like really working for me to be bespoke or like, I don't really want to do this. Like if you don't have somebody fighting you, it's actually like such a better way to work that, um, it just, it just, it'll work. Um, I would say Mm -hmm. odds are if it's, if it's just failing to take off where you are, it might be that there's just not enough of a, an executive champion or somebody who can, um, kind of say like, Hey, look, you're, you're just blocking this whole thing from happening maybe you're not the right fit for the team, right? Like that might just be, it might be just like a people problem, not a design system problem. Um, you can't pitch design systems to someone who's like, I don't want to do them. <laughs> like there's Ooh. no amount of uh, yeah. being like, but look at these beautiful style guides to somebody who's like, I'm not interested in that. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by Framer. That's framer.com slash shop talk. Go there, sign up for free, get 20% off any paid plan. That's very generous. Thank you, Framer. When you've spent hours designing something beautiful for the web, the last thing you want to hear is, oh, sorry, uh, we can't build this. You know, Uh, what you need is a tool that bridges the gap between design and development. Framer can be that bridge. It's a browser-based prototyping tool that enables designers to use code-backed components and dynamic transitions to visually express ideas. So when the time comes that, you know, you perhaps as the designer are giving it to a developer, the developer can jump in and easily inspect the elements, get the CSS or the JSX right from there. Custom animations, custom built with magic motion. It's powered by Framer Motion, which is an open source library that's awesome. You should check out uh, for React. Uh, it all comes with a complete clean code, which can be taken right from Framer and you can move it right into production. So it, it's the gap. It's the Framer is the bridge. So sign up for free or get 20% off any paid plan by visiting framer.com slash shop talk. That's framer.com slash shop talk. I think of one of the things that sometimes in my, I don't have as nearly as much experience as you two do that the, but the design system thing is like a little easier to pull off when you're talking specifically about a website and that website is using Vue or React or, you know, web components or something because then the components that get built map to the technology. You're like, here's a card, and it's represented as a card both in the, as a design document and mentally and in the code, and there's like this one-to-one across the whole tech stack. But then I think of a newsletter, and I'm super sure that your newsletters aren't React, you know, or whatever. I mean, maybe they, they totally are, but They totally are until weird. they get 
magically unicorned into an email. Are <laughs> so, they really? Oh my gosh. It's very See. complicated. <laughs> Please don't <laughs> ask me about it. <laughs> I've like archived all that knowledge at this point. Okay. But that's that's cool. So you found a way to to make it one to one until the last minute and then it just gets turned into an email and then it gets sent out. But like mentally it it still works that way that the design system kind of maps to c- code that is a component. Yeah, and that's I guess hot take number 3. <laughs> like you've got it. Mm. Um uh a big reason of why I'm a designer who works in code is because I very much believe that the medium really affects the decisions you make. And so when you're working with React, you're more likely to work like start thinking about things and components and pieces and states and things like that where where you understand what the medium wants you to do. Um when you're working exclusively in like a Figma or some prototype like whatever whatever buttons easier to reach that's the one you're going to reach for more. So just being aware of that um kind of the influence on your work and your decisions based on the tool you've chosen to embrace for getting your ideas out there is is huge. So I like that you brought that up. Yeah, nice. I would I would love to gosh, want to look behind that's... the scenes when don't you see what it's well, like. Well, no, I I think like a lot of times on the show we say like, "Oh, the tool you doesn't you choose doesn't matter because the output is what matters. You know, you know, I think there is like these invisible kind of artifacts from the technology you choose that show up in how you build it. Mm. You know, like um, I, I like Nuxt, you know, specifically in view. I like view for a lot of reasons, but I like Nuxt cause it like comes with this concept of pages and it's just like, these are what you, you build pages or view, you know, like, like pages build your whole application. And so I just, I like that, but you know, maybe I need to think without them, or maybe when you think without them, you're not thinking of the whole entire product. I don't know. I I, I absolutely embrace the idea that, um, I mean, like coming from an art background, I'm going to see it through that lens is essentially, it's like, what do you choose a paintbrush? Do you use charcoal? Whatever medium you choose to use, it's going to change how you render it any kind of visual. I mean, it's still you, it's your, still your artistic eye. It's still your mind kind of making these decisions, but you're going to shift the way you work based on the medium you choose. And I absolutely see whether it's frameworks mm. or programming languages or, you know, sketch or Figma, whatever tool you reach for to get an idea or a concept or something out. Um, I feel like it's kind of like this back and forth, like I both decide which tool to reach for, but then the tool definitely influences how that idea comes out as well. So I feel like just being aware of that is, it's kind of neat because it, it, the work uh, is very creative. I feel programming is creative. Design is creative. I think we all get along because we're all about patterns. I mean, there's just so much more overlap than there is of a kind of complete opposite end disconnect. Um, and so I think just considering mm. why you reach for the tools you reach for is a cool way to get to know why, how you like to work, what, what about your work intrigues you and how to choose the next tool you might be interested in. You might be interested. I love that. I like the art connection too. Cause it's like, I don't know, the paintbrushes is such an obvious one. You know, if you have the, all all you have is this collection of thick paintbrushes, you know, you're going to make thick lines when you paint probably, or it'll be hard to do anything else. And then, and then if somebody asks you like, what, you know, I thought our design direction was thin lines or whatever. And be like, I, that's all I got is these thick brushes. You know, the, what, what the tools in front of (laughs) me are. I only do chunky. (laughs) 
And like somebody comes in and it's just like, look, I got this stick and it's got some hair on it and we've got this colorful goop. Like we're going to make a whole Renaissance scene here with that. And it just sounds impossible. <laughs> and it's like, you know, nobody's coming in like painting is broken. Like CSS isn't broken. It's just like a complex tool to you. You can use to do a lot of things. Um, it, it, like I feel like the metaphor really holds up. It's just like uh, if you're drawing with a pencil, it's a lot easier to draw lines than to like try to make planes and shading and you know all that stuff. So like it absolutely influences the decisions you make. Fantastic. So um, maybe we'll we'll switch gears a little bit here. Why not? You know, we only have so much time. We got to hit all the hot takes. <laughs> We've only had three so far. There's it feels so many like more. a little low. <laughs> like a little low. So so Dave's printer just went off. That's an important thing to talk about. I'm sure. Was it was it? Did one of the kids decide to print some coloring yeah, book I think pages? We're getting or? some coloring pages. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a couple of unicorns. Um, so yeah, day. tell about. So we're all we're all parents here mm-hmm. uh, uh, of young of young children. So so how how how's that been? Aren't, aren't you in New York too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which was a little little different than how it hit here out here in the middle of the woods. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to give you the full, like unloading that I'm going to do on my therapist one day. Um, <laughs> just, just the surface level of it is, um, you know, I've been, I've been talking about childcare at conferences or having a remote option at conferences or kind of saying flexible work, remote hours, not just as a moral thing, but just as a, like, think about the people we're missing because now they're just right below that threshold of able to access or able to contribute, yeah. or able to be part of it. And 2020 has just shoved a whole bunch of new people over that threshold where suddenly they're on the other side, suddenly having to consider this like, oh no, <laughs> uh, this is literally impossible for one person to accomplish or two people to accomplish. The expectations are horrible. I'm being asked to choose between my child's well-being or my ability to like have a job, um, which is like tied together, all these things, like everybody's going through this terrible time. Um, And it's really revealed a lot of kind of the disappointment of like, no, we chose to disrupt so many things, but not any of the things that seem to make life good. (laughs) Like we just kind of skipped over that because we got free lunch and we're like, this is the height of technology, right? Like we get free lunch and ping pong. Um, And so Right now, I would say my hot take is this, is just to to look around and see the immense creativity and potential possible to actually build a better world. And we're actually seeing a lot of it in New York right now, um, contrary to popular opinion. Um, it's pretty cool over here now. Uh, <laughs> things are much better than March and April. I can tell you mm-hmm. that. I heard it was a giant anarchist zone. That's what I've been reading on the old news. Well, if you uh. read an article in the New York <laughs> Times about it, um, what... What I think the the definition of anarchy is that when things all fall apart, people will naturally turn to mutual aid. So in that definition, I think it's very much true. Um, people have really been banding together. There's live music in the streets again. Um, there, like, there are just so many people, communities coming together to make it really, really good again, especially for kids and everything. But there's just a lot more work to be done. I think we've um, we've been able to hide. Our kids, our lives, our our chaos, um, but we can't hide them. Like no Zoom background can, <laughs> like override the the child needing to print something or asking for help with homework. Um, and I think it reveals just how much work there is to do. I, I think quite literally, you know, the first week of uh, 
the pandemic, you know, it was like, and I've worked from home forever. So it's like the kids know what the deal, but like, I think the first week, you know, daughter comes in on call and yells, she has to poop, you know, which requires assistance uh, from a parent. And so you're just like, oh man, like here it is. This is it. And I think it took me till like the summer to like, for my mind to shift from like, okay, this is just whatever school's out to like, oh, this is like it for a while until mm-hmm. I don't even know, you know? And, um, what, like, I guess what sort of like systems or I don't know, tech or you, an app can solve this problem, surely. But like, what, what, uh, what do you think like the need core needs are for whatever parents, working parents and any parents during a pandemic or children or anything? I, oh man, that's so like the hot takes four through 30 coming up. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to like I have a few bullet point through um, respect software. for education. Everybody's screaming, you need a CS degree and nothing else to be in tech. I'm like, how's homeschooling going? I got a master's in education and boy, like, am I glad for that right now? You need all different kinds of education. You need different kinds of people with different kinds of backgrounds because you there are so many different expertises to be had, you know, valuing education. You can see now, you know, for anybody teaching their kids while trying to work, you realize how hard teachers work. They work super hard and that deserves a lot of respect. Um, access to childcare, man, it is so much harder to get than you'd think. It is just, just accessing it is just like the holy grail. Like, finally, I have reliable childcare I can count on. Um, it's almost impossible to do well in normal times, not to mention during a pandemic where it's just like, you're actually not allowed to talk to people very, like, don't even have anybody come near you. Um, you know, and how are you supposed to be a person where you, when you can't access these things that can help you just be part of society? Um, and then finally, just like, just the idea that anything can be solved through coding. Oh my God. The number of people I see trying to solve education who are like, you're a lifelong tech person. You know, absolutely nothing about education. Please just talk to a teacher. Um, oh my God, please don't, please don't like your expertise is not needed. Please stick to what you're good at. You should not disrupt education. It is already like, it does not need you. It needs your support to teachers, your support to the people who have this expertise. Please don't assume, like, don't let your ego get in the way. Like, this is not your time to shine. Like, help the people already doing the work is just my slogan of 2020. So hot takes <laughs> all day. If I can, if That's <laughs> a very good one. That's my that's my favorite new one, you know. That that, that these all all tech geniuses. Like, and it's not can, it's not to like say like you're not a tech genius. It's more like just accept like you have limits, and that's cool. That's okay. You would never accept somebody walking into your meeting and telling you how to build your app. You'd be like, "Who's this clown? Get him out of here!" They don't know anything about our users, our client, like whatever. What makes you so confident that you can walk into a classroom or a teacher or anywhere and say like, "Here's how you should do schools." No problem. I know what you need. I've seen kids on social media. Like, I don't like, no. <laughs> so what happened with this, all this conference stuff? Like, like, you know, your, your article, your, you know, it has a little pre- premonition abilities to it. It's like the title of your article is wonderful. Is what if childcare was as standard as coffee at conferences? <laughs> That'd be nice. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Um, but, then the pandemic came and it made it possible for more people to go to conferences, but all, but in a way just as hard, right? Because your home life is ju- is is now you're 
caring for kids at home where you almost definitely don't have child care to just disappear into a you know four hour zoom call with with beatings or whatever so did it get better or worse you know and what, is there any reason for any optimism for what we learned i mean the, the overwhelming response when I would talk about access to childcare, or it's really like removing the barriers to access um, these events. Like, so for example, I went to a women tech makers event and I had to be the first person to ask for like, Hey, actually I'm like still breastfeeding and I need a pumping room with a fridge. Like, uh, do you have that anywhere in the Google complex? And they're like, yes, we got you. And here's a stipend for childcare. And I was like, great, I can actually attend this thing on a Saturday. This is so incredible um, without having to rely on the free labor of somebody else giving up their time for free for me. Um, so there, there were already these like little dominoes, like little pieces getting, like we're starting to carve out these places. And then this boom, 2020 happened. And um, it feels like we're just all set back in so many incalculable ways. Um, there are people leaving the workforce in record numbers because they can no longer keep this unsustainable pace up. And so for me, the optimism comes from the, the curtain has been peeled back and we see exactly how mm. desperate it's been this whole time, how reliant on free labor or cheap labor, like undervalued, not cheap by any means, because now we also see how hard people work who are in childcare how much we've been just cobbling together this barely working, barely reliable system to stay afloat and to stay part of the workforce and that we can and should do better for people. And that like, you know, if tech can change the world, like let's start with things that really would make a huge difference for like anyone who's a caregiver. That would be cool. That I would be like, take my money, please. <laughs> like, let's do it. How is it in New York? Can you, can you, are people sending their kids to, to, to in-person childcare again? Is that starting to happen? Yeah. Um, after seven months of no childcare, um, and we're in 500 square feet and it has been a very difficult time to be locked up like that with a toddler. Um, but New York has really, I mean, I'm very proud of the work people have here. You go outside, everybody is wearing a mask and it is taken very seriously here. And there are daycares that have been open for essential workers this whole time. And they figured out exactly how to be much more careful. Um, and their daycares have reopened as well. So, um, our, <laughs> we're at one un, under 1% infection rate right now, as of today, I keep the numbers, I keep track of the numbers every single day. Um, so, you know, we are where we are after a huge amount of work and sacrifice. And I have to say like seeing New York in mid, I'm, so I'm in midtown Manhattan. And so seeing New York for months be so empty that I could cross across, like go in to get some food. I could just cross any Avenue I wanted without seeing a single car in the distance. Mm -hmm. Um, so quiet that one time I like cheered when I heard a honk because I meant that meant there were two cars out there. Um, <laughs> seeing life and creativity return is really, really incredible. And seeing people take it seriously and do it safely is really incredible. And that's, you know, whether it's with schools, with the remote learning, like I won't tell you the nightmare that Zoom for toddlers has been, but like we did it, both a parent group and, um, you know, at the school. And like technology has been both amazing for bringing everybody together, but also a terrible dystopian nightmare because you should not... <laughs> be on zoom that much like nobody wants to be in front of a screen that much all day yeah so i have big feels about that 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's I've been I've done some virtual conferences and I've gotten stuff out of it, and I'm and it, it's interesting to see how big the numbers have been. I, I'm a little less interested, only because I spend so much time on Zoom anyway that it's it's hard for me to stomach the idea of like, well, then you know, take a whole day off of work and just stare at Zoom all day. I don't, but it's been working. They've been. People have been eating it up. Like I feel like the anomaly. I feel like the numbers are way higher. The the tech for them has gotten a lot better. It's been it's been kind of cool to see. And I'm I'm encouraged by the return. You know, should we beat this thing and get back to reality? That now there can kind of be both. We can. I don't know that we've taken what we've learned from this like worst year ever. I feel like there was a moment um, for me when I I had that shift of like hey, are things going to like be back to normal or like, no, like what David said was like, this is it. This is, we got a new normal. This is me now. Like we didn't get Star Trek. We got Mad Max and we're just going to like figure this out. (laughs) This is the future. Um, I sat on my stoop with one of those, like the only restaurant open for like many, many blocks in Manhattan, which is just like the one place to get anything in March. I like went out Got myself a cocktail. No, I got, it was a local, it's called Handcraft, local place on 3rd Avenue. Uh, Mm -hmm. I got like one of those Kool-Aid bottles, like you you would have like in your lunchbox, but like it's full of bourbon. And it was like a double cocktail. They were just like, look, they're to go now. That's legal now. So it's cool. And I sat on my stoop and just thought about it. I was like, oh my God, this is like really stressful. But I'm going to go, I'm going to like, you know what? This is now a new timeline, new me. I'm going to just like drink this cocktail and think about like, how can we make it good? And so like for conferences, for example, like how can you make a remote conference good? What if you just put aside, oh, it's remote. It's not as good as in person. It's like, what can the internet be? And so like for clarity, there were like games, prizes. They mailed us some swag. They had a bingo board. We had like chat rooms that really mimicked being in like, you know, be like, hey, who are you? Like, what's your your one-on-one icebreaker meetings? Like that mimicked being in middle school and being on AIM. <laughs> you had just one-on-ones? Like, oh my God, it was just wow. so stressful. But we had like these <laughs> icebreakers where like, they're like, all right, in just a minute, we'll have some questions for you and you'll be paired with a random person in this room to just talk one-on-one. And it was just like, <gasps> that was oh way more interaction than you would get in a normal like in-person conference so like i've heard it like given lip service to like i know you're missing the one-on-one connection with people so we have breakout rooms or something and the, the promise doesn't seem as fulfilled but a re- true one-on-one is something big else. shout out to isaac and nessa the um organizers of kick-ass conferences um they put on a fantastic one where i would just say like that's the kind of like if you want to um, if you want to see what the the medium, like, you know, we're all in, like the web is this thing. It connects people across the world. And it's like time to believe in that yourself um, and attend a digital conference. Um, they threw a really great one where I, you know, I have to say even participating in it, I was just like, can it really rival being in New Orleans with everyone? Like we were supposed to be. Um, and I have oh, to say it crap. Did. Clarity was supposed to be in New Orleans. 2021. Oh, here's hoping. So. That would be awesome. I've, I've appreciated, I, we should probably wrap up here. I know we got a hard stop, but I've appreciated just add up other adaptations too. Like, Hey, a conference doesn't have to be all day. Mm-hmm. It can just be like three hours. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> I can do the work I was going to do, have to do anyway. So um, I, I like this. I hope it gives birth to more brainstorming and thinking. So, um, but on that, I know you have a hard stop and we have a hard stop. Uh, so we should wrap it up. But thank you, Natalia, for coming on the show and 
sharing uh, about design engineering and all your hot takes. We really appreciate <laughs> that. But for people uh, who are craving more hot takes and uh, want to give you money, how can they do that? Can they give me money? Is this is this what this show is? Hey, if you've I'll got st- something to sell, we oh, give God. people opportunity to uh, No, to just support your local designer, developer, artist, whoever whoever you've got who who's you know affected by 2020, check in on people and I don't know, do a kind deed today because it has been a rough year for everybody. And I have to say, I think one of the best silver linings has been the the many old connections and new connections um, that I've made because we have to get through it together. Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again. And thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast or choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show. Tens of tweets a month. If you hate your job, head over to shoptalkshow.com slash jobs and get a brand new one because people want to hire people like you. Chris, do you have mm. anything else you'd like to say? Shoptalkshow.com. <laughs>